Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to thank Northwell Health as a continuing sponsor for this series in which we get to focus on caregivers, medical providers, those who are in our healthcare industry. It's so important to find out what they're doing on the ground and to be able to ask questions. So 203-333-9422. Joining us now are Ellen Travers and Gabby Naranjo. Uh, Ellen is a, a social worker, a program manager at Ken Hamilton Caregiver Center in Mount Kisco at Northern Westchester Hospital. And Gabby is a senior program manager at the Caregiver Center at Phelps Hospital in Sleepy Hollow, which is one of the prettiest hamlets in Westchester County. Uh, November is National Family Caregivers Month. And actually, National Caregivers Day is November 17th, which I think is today, if my calendar is correct. So we're going to talk about... Uh, a little bit of what's going on in the way of caregivers. This is actually a national conversation. I don't know if you get AARP Magazine. I do. And AARP Magazine did this enormous spread in this month. So I don't know if you got a chance to see it about how, about how there is a spotlight on what we should be doing in the way of state law and even national law to create tax incentives for people to do caregiving, to create a tax break for people who have decided to be a home health care caregiver, to make life easier for our caregivers because the country is aging. That's a fact. The bubble, the baby, the baby boom bubble is already moved, and the bubble of people that are in the age range of people that are aging is larger than the people behind us. And so what does that mean? That means as we get older... We're going to need more care, and we're going to need more people caring for us. We're not quite into the age of robots yet. Ellen Travers and Gabby Naranjo, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hi, and good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Hi, Gabby. You there, too? Yep, I'm here. Thank you so much for having us, Lisa. Am I pronouncing it Gabby, or is it something? Is it Gabby? That's great, Gabby. Gabby Gabby is great. Great. So... Uh, okay, so Ellen, tell me a little bit, what is this caregiver center? I've been reading about it. I've never heard anything 
quite like absolutely. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. My favorite subject to, to talk about. Yeah. So 24 hospitals have replicated our model up until this point. We launched our center back in 2006. It was founded by a woman named Marion Hamilton who lost her husband to mesothelioma. And during her husband's battle, she realized that there was no place within the hospital to support caregivers, to provide information, to provide comfort. And when her husband passed, she dedicated uh, her life's work to establishing uh, a place of caregiver support in a hospital setting. And Northern Westchester Hospital was the first hospital to accept uh, that challenge, and the first center was born here in 2006. Um, the center itself is this beautiful zen-like space within the hospital. It's very different. There's no beeping machines. We have no televisions. It's decorated almost like two different living rooms. Uh, and we have people here to welcome caregivers who have loved ones upstairs here in the hospital. Uh, but the center itself is not our program. Our program is myself as the social worker and our trained volunteers who round on all the inpatient and outpatient units. And we go around meeting caregivers. We walk into patient rooms and we say we know doctors and nurses are taking excellent care of our patients. My role here in the hospital is to take care of you as the caregiver. And we begin a dialogue. And we hope to um, learn enough about them in that initial meeting to see what their needs are, what their concerns are, to connect them to resources, to help them navigate the hospital, or just to provide you know, much-needed emotional support. Um, and that, in a nutshell, is our program and our center. Um, we also have, uh, when people are discharged, a program called Stay in Touch, where we follow them, if they choose, uh, in a telephonic support program. Um, and we continue to stay with them as they walk that caregiving journey to connect them to any resources they may need post-discharge. And how do you define a caregiver, Ellen? Who's a caregiver? You know what? Uh, you you encapsulated the need and the growth of uh, family caregivers that will, you know, follow the growth in population of, of the baby boom generation. Mm -hmm. The caregivers are typically family members or close friends uh, who provide unpaid care to ah. an individual that has a chronic health condition or disability. Um, they can assist with those long list of personal tasks, such as helping with bathing, dressing, and feeding. Um, they are most likely in charge of managing medications, scheduling and accompanying to doctor appointments, paying bills, food shopping, you name it. Um, the thing that we learn when we meet our caregivers is that they rarely identify as such. They just say, well, I'm the daughter. I'm right. the wife. I'm the wife. Um, I'm the husband. But, right. But they That's truly right. are this group of, of individuals in our country that now are about 53 million strong. Mm. One in five Americans are currently family caregivers. Um, and... The, the need is great, but what happens is when caregivers take on this role in addition to their other life roles, their work, their, their family, beside the care recipient, they put themselves at high risk for anxiety, depression, and neglecting their own health because they're just overwhelmed with the responsibility. Oh, yeah. So we try yeah. to meet them there. We try to meet them there, sort out that list of, of tasks, and help them um, meet those challenges and and give them that place where they can vent um, in a way that they couldn't maybe to another family member or friend. It's very interesting, Ellen. I want to just pick up on one thing that you've said, which is when people see themselves as caregivers, mm -hmm. they very often neglect their own health. Mm, uh, absolutely. That, 
and I have seen that uh, in the world. I have seen where, for example, one a husband might have, let's say, MS. I'm making it up, mm-hmm. Parkinson's MS, some kind of long-term chronic disease. And the caregiver very often will expect to survive the other one, right? So mm-hmm. they just, and then all of a sudden they get cancer and die. I mean, right. I've seen this a lot um, right. because... Because it's, it's true. They, they it's, don't put you know, themselves at the top of their own priority list. They yeah. fall way down. And stress. Neglect, and stress and, and stress is an origin of disease. It is. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so, I would agree with, with all of that. Right? So, so um, we, we give yeah. them permission to, mm-hmm. you are important not because you have to take care of your loved one. You are mm-hmm. important because you are important. And we want you to remember to schedule your own doctor's appointments. We'll try to figure out a way. How can we recommend some way of getting respite care so that you can get out to do that hobby that gave you so much joy? We give them permission to take a nap, watch a movie, um, and remind so them. So you that, as a yeah. volunteer are giving them a break from their 24-7 caregiving duty? That's what you do? No, no. The volunteers, well, I'm a social worker, but the volunteers that we have here in the hospital meet with, with the families in the patient rooms or perhaps over in the cancer center or up in the ICU, and we begin that conversation of assessing their needs. Um, We connect them to the community resources for respite, perhaps a home health aid agency or a support group that would be of value to them. That's our role. So in other words, you go into a family system. I want to understand this. So you'll see a family system where your perception is and you're a professional that somebody's essentially being overworked is really what you're saying. They're overworked and they're unpaid at it. They're stressed Correct. out and there's no, there's no break. And so Correct. you'll say, well, in a gentle way, well, have you considered the fact that, you know, your insurance company may cover this or that your budget may be worth spending for that because here is a way in which your family system can function better because you also need a break. You know, it's very interesting because I'm going down to see my parents in Boca today, literally on a two o'clock flight. And I go down every four weeks. My mom is now 89. My dad's 94. And my mother is in worse shape medically than my father. My father's in pretty fabulous shape. But my mom had a stroke and she's had some heart issues. Mm. And, And yeah, yeah. But she's she's okay. But the point is that their roles have shifted in the last year. Mm -hmm. And my father Mm -hmm. now views himself as the caregiver. Right. And we have had to stand on our heads and sit on his head uh, occasionally to get some aids in for mommy for him. Because I have said, Daddy, you have to have Fridays off to play bridge. It's a non-starter. You have Mm -hmm. to get out of the house. I don't care how great mommy is doing. You have to have your bridge day. And if you can't have your bridge day because you feel that mommy's okay, but you don't want to leave her, too bad we're bringing an aid in for that Mm -hmm. six hours because you have to be able to play bridge. And we've had to stand on our head. Insisting on that. Well, it's the age-old, and Gabby would would relate to this as well. It's that age-old debate of the the children of elderly parents are stressing safety, and the adults, the the parents, want to maintain their independence. They really which is fine, often don't which is want great. Someone in their home. And you know what? They can have that as long as the whole dynamic is working. And that's what I keep telling them. And so does my sister. So we're watching them. And it's a day-to-day thing. Gabby, you want to weigh in on this? It's a day-to-day thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I think that our our work is unique because we focus on families as a whole. We assess your family unit as a whole and try to identify where are the strengths and where are these potential risks or potential gaps. And we encourage having these difficult conversations so that we can get help in the home, whatever that looks like. A lot of the times I'll sit down with a family and we'll I have a checklist that we go through and I'll sit with the person that needs the help and figure out where are the boundaries. Um, sometimes someone will say, you know, well, I just don't want someone come in to, you know, be be in my house and watch me right, all day. And look right? at me. Well, and you know what, just Gabby? Gabby, you know what? That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you know, do you know that in Florida, I could not get an aid from an, an agency to bathe my mother? Right. We don't have anybody to shower your mother. I'm like, well, I, well, I, I don't understand. What do you think I need? I need mm. you to help to shower my mother. Yeah. Like, that's why I need an aid. Anyway, right. go ahead. Absolutely. No, so but easy. this is what people go yeah. through. So we, yes. we try to identify. So, okay, my, you know, then what do we want, right? Do we want to hire someone that will come? You know, Dad wants to play bridge uh, outside. Maybe mom wants to play rummy at home with her aide, mm-hmm. right? Right, um, right. So it's really kind of identifying, like, where, where is the level of comfort and where is the resistance coming from? It's always, yeah, not wanting to lose independence, but there's something underlying that we might not see until we have the conversation. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. You have to have those deep conversations. And, you know, and you've got to get into people's finances, not just their privacy, not just whatever. You know, some old, elderly people are unwilling to have people see their home. They're ashamed of the maybe the mess, the fact that they haven't been able to keep it up. They sort of know that they have a little bit of a hoarder or they haven't oh, yeah. had a cleaning person there. So there are other things that go on, you know, where people may not want people in their home. They may be thinking no. about other things. It's very true. And I mean, I, you know, there, there's no blame there either, right? When you've been accumulating things um, for your entire life, right? Your, your home, there, you accumulate things and it's hard to keep up. And as your mobility declines a little bit, um, it's, it's hard to keep up with everything. It's very, very true. And that does cause a lot of hesitancy to bringing in that help. We're chatting with Ellen Travers and, G- and Gabby Naranjo of Northwell, and we're talking a little bit about caregivers. Uh, I will say, uh, Ellen and Gabby, Ellen, did you have a chance to see the AARP interview in this month's AARP magazine? It was really a spreadsheet on efforts around the country to get caregivers either paid or subsidized or tax benefits for being a caregiver. Are you aware of that? push politically I, i'm aware i'm aware of the uh the push politically to uh, the raise act uh might be what you're referring to that and of course there is the the medicaid program uh we see commercials for that uh freedom care where you can have a loved one who is paid um an hourly wage uh to to care for the the grandparent or parent perhaps uh those programs have existed for a bit but this will be this will be in need going forward because in in the cases where a family needs to employ an aide i'm sure you know this for your for your mom and dad to to Medicare does not pay for for custodial care in the home. Medicaid, yes. Medicare, no. So then families are handed a list of private pay, uh, home health aides, which may cost $30, $35, $38 per hour That's for correct. that private custodial care. 
And again, it's private custodial care that often doesn't even do that much. I'm just saying. And 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 uh, the urgency uh, wasn't helped by COVID because so many people left that type of work mm. during and post pandemic. So it's harder to find that type of care. The cost has risen. And um, to find someone who is excellent at caring for your loved one in a very personal way at home, they are they are like gold. Um, yes, and yes. families feel so fortunate when they find a good match because yes. it's really hard to bring someone into your personal space. And yes. we, we understand that. But it's truly expensive. And that's if you just need someone for a few hours a day. If your loved one requires 24-7 care, do the math. That number is astronomical for folks. Um, so it is hopeful to see those different programs, and we hope that they um, can be funded, can get approval, because families will need this help. We're, we're getting older as a population, and the need will only increase in the next decade. So you have this center at Northern Westchester Hospital. Gabby, yeah. tell me a little bit what's going on at Phelps. Yeah, so Phelps just opened our caregivers uh, center physical space in September of this year. Uh, our center works very similarly to Northern Westchester Hospitals. We also provide individualized direct services to families, both in our hospital and out in the community. That looks like emotional support, connection to resources, and education. We facilitate conversations by giving families a Space to talk about what it is they're going through and try to get on the same page about what the next steps are. We also connect families to resources like where to get a ramp belt or how to hire help. Um, and we also create a community of support for caregivers. We have regular support group meetings. Uh, we host community events on a monthly basis um, just to help caregivers socialize a little bit, get out of their home. And then we also do monthly educational workshops so that caregivers have ongoing education about really important and relevant topics so that they're not unprepared for what is to come. Okay. Thank you very much, Gabby. Gabby, um, I mean, Ellen, pardon me. Ellen, there's a question for you or a okay. comment, and we're going to take it. This is from Chris Curran. Chris is uh, somebody who is a person who helps source senior care. Uh, he runs a company called Care Patrol CT, and he also runs it in New York. And I, mm -hmm. I know that he wanted to be part of this conversation. Chris, you're on the air uh, with Ellen Travels of Northwell. Hi, Ellen. Oh, Hi, Chris. Uh, so good to be on the air. How are you? Good. Thank you. I, I just wanted to say what you're doing is so important. I think that in our country, not to get political, as we were saying with this, uh, but the ARP Act, other countries have such an infrastructure built to help caregivers, and we just don't. Uh, I think it's a silent you know, epidemic going on in our country that mm -hmm. people don't talk about. The caregivers, because they don't identify as caregivers, they don't talk about it and they don't want to talk about it. So I think what you, what you and your center is doing is so, so valuable. It takes a village. Okay. It takes a whole network. Um, and I think it's so important. I'm going to be sure to tell my clients about, uh, you know, everything that you're providing at your center. Absolutely. And as Gabby mentioned, we we are a free of charge service and you don't have to be a patient uh, in Northern Westchester Hospital to take advantage of our services. We have community members that call in from the surrounding uh, Westchester County area and we help everyone um, who has, has a need with, uh, with their caregiving challenges. So that's important. The other thing that um, from the beginning, as I stated earlier, we're in 24 hospitals across the country. Um, every, we believe every hospital, it makes sense, should have a caregiver center, should have some form of caregiver support and we've been able to replicate in 24 uh, other hospitals. Uh, Burke 
down uh, in Lower Westchester is a replicated oh, yeah. partner. Really? Danbury Hospital, the Mayo Clinic is our most recent uh, replicator in Arizona in their oncology and transplant units, University of Pennsylvania. Um, when we get in front of uh, a, another health system, um, could be an outpatient or an inpatient facility, and you present the idea, it just makes so much sense. Um, we know that doctors, nurses are very, very busy, and we have time to spend with families that they may not have, and we fill a gap. As Gabby said, we, we constantly look to fill the gaps and we can facilitate communication upstairs on the floors. We can connect a nervous family about discharge plans to the case manager. We just try to get them to the place they need to be. Um, and within hospital systems, it is, it is a no-brainer. Um, and really, the program can be initiated with the cost of a social worker. And the social worker then trains the volunteer coaches who go up on the floors and meet the families. Um, Gabby's center and my center are lovely, but Gabby operated for a full year without having a center space, and she ran her program beautifully. The center is, is icing on the cake, and it's a lovely place for caregivers to come down for information or for respite. But the program really is the social worker and this team of volunteers who go out and, and let caregivers know that they're here for them. Well, as a practical matter, Ellen, if you mm. know somebody in a hospital right now, who would you ask in the hospital to direct you to whether or not there is a social worker like you to help? So uh, we fall under the umbrella of patient experience. Um, Gabby and I are both reporting through that structure. So um, that would be, or just in general, I would look, hospital websites these days are very um, rich sources of information. Our caregiver center is, is listed there. We're in seven different Northwell hospitals right now, Gabby, seven. Um, seven different Northwell hospitals have caregiver centers is what I'm saying. Uh, wow. Every one of them kind of building their model according to their own culture and their own needs in their community. Um, but we're very you know, pleased about that. And we have a lot of uh, shared um, practices and information and relationships among the, the caregiver centers within the Northwell network. And, and then we, and, of course, have outside Northwell and as well. And so let me ask you this, just to be completely clear. You yeah. don't have to have a patient in a hospital but if you're an unpaid caregiver, you can avail yourself of this resource and reach out to you for help if you're Absolutely. caring for someone in the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Happens, happens every day. And um, we actually got a phone call this week from a caregiver who's out on the island, and she's not in the Mount Kisco area. She's, her mother is not a patient in this hospital, but we were able to connect her to our partners out at LIJ, where they have a caregiver center, and that, that caregiver will receive services. Um, wow. through our Northwell Network of Caregiver Centers. That's very cool. I'm very glad you came on to tell us about this. Uh, according, to, according to this recent study, there are 420,000 caregivers in Connecticut alone mm. providing unpaid care, and that's the category we're talking about. We're not talking about health care providers that are paid. We're talking Correct. about the unpaid caregivers. Ladies, thank Correct. you so much for being on the show. Much appreciated to our sponsor, Northwell, for having you today. Thank you so much our for pleasure. coming on. Pleasure. Thank our you, pleasure. Lisa. Thank you so much. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told 
about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 